Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, with the ever-increasing desire to look and feel good, food is obviously a huge part of the equation. And there's one industry that caters just to those wishes. Nutritionists up and down the country are filling our appetite for no-nonsense, honest information about what we should and shouldn't be eating. Joining me now to dissect the trials and tribulations of being a nutritionist, I'm delighted to be joined by consultant nutritionist Gay Godkin, a sports nutritionist, Daniel Davy is also with us, and also joining us from Cork is Mary Carmody of Mary Carmody Nutrition. So you're all very welcome to the programme. Gay, I might start with you as someone who's been in the industry since, what, 2006? Yeah. How much has it changed over those years? Well, I think in the last five years, and I think the big change hasn't even hit us yet, to be quite honest with you. Oh, the the I guess the tools weren't there, the diagnostic tools weren't there, the science wasn't there. We're now looking at this whole other area of gut health, for example. So historically, we would have been told a calorie is a calorie. Yeah. So if you go into calorie deficit, you lose weight. Now that is being completely turned on its head. And what we are hoping to do is move away from that model of, you know, counting calories. It's absolutely head wrecking. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody is an accountant of their cal. Imagine going home at night and saying I can have 50 grams of that or 100 grams of that. That's not what food is, Bobby. Food is pleasure, you know. And what we're all looking at now is our epidemic of chronic illness, which accounts for 70% of people who are in hospitals and ill today. So typically you'll have your type 2 diabetes, your arthritis, your high cholesterol, diverticular disease, IBS, polycystic ovaries. All of those illnesses, it's very difficult to treat them with a pill. So people come to me looking, say, look, I have polycystic ovaries. What do I eat? What do I not eat? And is there, is there a defined definition of what a nutritionist actually is in, in terms of the, the marketplace? Um, like, does it, does it, is there a certain qualification or who regulates who, who is and isn't a yeah, nutritionist? And, and that's, very, that's very interesting because there's a lot of noise, and I think Daniel would agree with this, there's a lot of noise on Instagram, there's a lot of noise on, you know, I'm following this one, that one or the other one. You do need to have a good education, your degree or a master's or whatever, um, to practice nutrition. Okay. Let's bring in our second guest. He's Daniel Davey uh, and he's a sports nutritionist. Daniel, you're very welcome to the programme. You're also an author of uh, some very nice cookery books. Uh, so well done on that. But again, the de- definition of a sports nutritionist, is that just a marketing thing for you that that's the area you work in? Or is there more to it than that? Yeah, it's uh, certainly not a marketing tool. Um, performance nutrition, I suppose, uh, is defined by what do you eat for improved performance, both mental and physical. Right. And uh, like Gay mentioned, uh, there's uh, there's a pathway that you have to go through from an academic perspective and, of course, the experience associated with it. So uh, you get your primary degree and then you would specialise in performance nutrition through a master's. And I did my master's in the UK and then I went on and I did another postgrad um, to the uh, International Olympic Committee in Sports Nutrition. Okay, so again, highly qualified in your sector. You've also worked, I know, with with you know sporting organisations. 
Uh, was it Leinster Rugby you worked with? Yeah, the the Dubs um, yeah. and uh, Leinster Rugby, yes. Okay. And you're, just to look at this business of being a nutritionist mm. then, so your model is subscription-based. So how does that work? How do you earn money? Who subscribes? Uh, tell us more. Uh, yeah, so I, I suppose my primary experience has been working in, in sports nutrition, but uh, you might think that athletes just want the details, um, as Gay mentioned, just the grams of this or the grams of that, whereas in reality we all eat food and we want tasty, accessible food that's that's easy and, and, and simple to put together. So over the past 10 years, I suppose, the simpler the message around uh, recipes and meal ideas, the, the more accessible that was, the easier it was to communicate and to get athletes and people to buy into that. Yeah. So you build up that resource uh, in terms of recipes and information and as time goes on you you have this um you have this real value uh in terms of information that people can implement in their lives and you then try and commercialize it and it's exceptionally difficult to do and i've remodeled probably four times okay. already since 2018 and again it's about staying relevant keeping the subscription sure. coming in sure. why would i pay you know people exactly. they naturally question any subscription has always got a challenge of renewals, etc. Churn, exactly. Yeah. But but that's a model that actually works for you now, the, the, the version that you're working the moment. Yeah, I suppose really simply, it was an automated service it started out with, and then I got so fed up of looking at churn, people not buying right. into it, that I realised it needed to be a hybrid model, and that's how it evolved over COVID. And over that period of time, I built a team, and now it's one-to-one, it's uh, workshop-based, and the access to that information that I mentioned, recipes okay. and meal ideas. Very interesting. Let's bring in our third guest, Mary Carmody. Uh, Mary's of Mary Carmody Nutrition, based out of Cork, I believe. Mary, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks, lovely to be there. Sorry I'm not in with you now. No, that's okay. Brilliant. Tell yeah. us about your world and uh, what you do, Mary, if you would. Yeah, I'm a, new, I'm a nutritional therapist, so I would have um, studied nutrition about um, 13 years ago. And I, I work with, I just, my, my thing is to help um, my um, clients and in the company to be healthy in a nice, simple and easy way. So I would see a lot of people, uh, you know, clients present, we'd say, with feeling bloated, constipated, stomach pains, migraines, tiredness, and they're just looking really for some motivation on finding out what foods they can eat and how to implement it in their lives, you know, just kind of really um, motivate them and instill them to um, see how valuable their health is and eating healthy in a simple way. Um, I'm a busy mum of three kids myself, and, um, you know, so I know how busy life is, and I'm the busy mum and um, preparing simple recipes and and keeping it simple. And I suppose I work with... um, Companies then on consultancy like VHI, I deliver some of their nutrition and mindset okay. programs. I think it's very important to look at nutrition and mindset, and um, you know, just really help people um, to feel empowered and really believe that it is, um, you know, nutrition is their medicine. So, so as I understand it, then Mary, uh, your work would be split maybe with some corporate work. You've got individual clients. Do you work out of a out of a surgery or out of a out of a? Where do you work out of? Or no, do you I go to work, people? I, I work from home. I work from. I have my own clinic um, based in Cork, and I work online. And I work um, at, or or from home. We'll say 
um, as well. Or, and I also go into companies. So I might go in doing one-to-one consultations, doing talks, um, different kind of operation transformation programs, and just really, I suppose, just to motivate people and, and help them. So it's between um, working from home, online, doing Zoom calls, doing talks, and also now going back into the companies more, which is brilliant. Okay. And seeing clients sometimes in clinic, but also online. So it's split between the two, yes. All right, stay with us, Mary. And I just say to our listeners, if you've got any text, we've got three of the Ireland's best nutritionists here with us on the uh, in the studio. Uh, and if you've got any text, get them into us and we'll try and deal with them. Uh, back to you, Gay. Um, they say you can't outrun a bad diet. I think it's a term I've heard as a as a bad runner. Uh, I I know that my greatest weakness is my diet. Uh, even though I I try to do I try to live a healthy life physically, I definitely would be put my hand up and say that my Achilles heel is definitely the diet. How do you get the balance? You know of you know doing your run, doing your cycle going for your swim, I, I do all those things, but I still sometimes eat badly. Yeah, and I think, Bobby, you're very honest and I think most people can relate to you. So it's about what we call self-regulation. So how do I regulate myself around food? It's extraordinarily difficult. The problem is we're hunter-gatherers and our genes have not changed. Yeah. And now we're living in an environment where the body doesn't know spar is open at 12 o'clock at night. So, you know, it's the whole idea of becoming aware of your relationship with food. And I'd often say when I see people, how would you describe your relationship with food? And they'd say, well, I'm a functional eater or an emotional eater. But we are mindless because it's ever present. It's omnipresent, you know. So I suppose what I would say to you is to it's about metabolic health. So you will meet people who are really skinny and they've type 2 diabetes and they've cholesterol. It always happens to other people. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's not about being overweight. You can be overweight and healthy and fit. So the whole thing is, how is the food interacting with my genes? How is it interacting with my immune system? Yeah. And I think when we change our mindset and start looking at food, not as fuel. The current, that's what I was saying to you, the current model is uh, energy in, energy out, eat less, move more. Rubbish. Absolute nonsense. 20% of weight loss is down to um, exercise. Yeah. And you can't, you're absolutely right, you can't outrun a bad diet. You can be as fit as a fiddle and be a wonderful runner and show up with me and and say, I've high cholesterol or I've type 2 diabetes. So it is about recognising in yourself that, you know, I am kind of snacking. That's, That's the one thing I would say to you is to cut out the snacking. Daniel, one of the things you say, and as I say, you're the author of, of, of at least two cookery books, how important is it for people to actually cook for themselves? I, I'd, I'd, and let you answer the question. Well, I think that if, 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 I, if I look at the people, not just athletes who are incredibly successful in what they do, whether it be... In, in business or within sport or, or broadly, it's people who take control or responsibility for the various aspects of their lives. And cooking is one of those things that it just feels like most people think it's this chore and it's an inconvenience. And it's about uh, flipping that as much as you possibly can as an investment. And I would say that uh, the people who cook 
very often have more nutrients coming into their diet and consume lower amounts of calories. So it's that element of cooking has this huge, powerful knock-on effect on the other aspects of, yeah. of our health. So it's it's just looking at it differently. And Gay has already alluded to that. But there's many people who love to cook. I I being yeah. one of them. And it's it's that's again maybe part of the problem in that you know you cook all these lovely uh, dishes again. Maybe the fact that it's fresh food, though, even Huge. even though it may be calorific, to use the term yeah. that Gay wants to ban, uh, absolutely, um, the, is is it's it's not a good thing. I know, but at least it's fresh food, without question. Yeah, and, and that's uh, Gay's mentioned the microbiome. The more variety we have, the more fresh foods that we're consuming, the better that that's going to be for a microbiome. But I have to say, listening to you. There's an awful lot in there that's right. If you're cooking, if you're exercising, if you, you, again, Gay mentioned the relationship with food, there's a lot of elements that you're getting right. So it's prioritizing one or two things yeah. to work on. And it's also like I, I have no problem with the discipline around mm. the exercise. Mm. I do around the food. I don't know. It's just the way it is. Well, I would just add in one thing that I feel is very, very important. We all eat. And there's a huge amount of access to information, whether it be books online or whatever it might be. But if you, if there's an area that requires discipline or focus, you need to have accountability. You need to have conversation. There needs to be somebody you're speaking to about that to bring in that element to your lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Back to you, Mary. Um, in terms of uh, the the online, but the 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 information that's available online. Like, do you do you have a lot of, I suppose, DIY nutritionists out there working to uh, stuff that they find on the internet? A lot of a lot of um, DIY people making their own foods and obsessing. So you'd have somebody who would come on a program with you and they'd say, "Oh, I saw this one on Instagram, or I saw this one on Facebook, and this is what they were adding." So yes, you would you would have people just um, pulling out the latest craze or whoever is the latest person, um, you know, on Instagram or, or whatever social media. Um, yeah, definitely. But again, I back to um, the cooking. I think it's very important. I don't actually like cooking too much, but I like to stay healthy. So I I would always um, say that to people that. You know, I, I get people to make hummus, make simple granola, you know, have simple, easy dinners that they can make um, yeah. that, that won't take too long. And, and but empower people because if you don't um, take control of, of eating, you, you're, you, you don't know what you're getting, you know, so you okay. have to do it. Okay, well, uh, I've loads of texts in and just to remind listeners, our guests, my guests here are Gay Godkin, uh, Daniel Davey and Mary Carmody, all uh, nutritionist, uh, Gay, you might help me with this one. Marion Waterford asks, Hi Bobby, my 14-year-old son has been getting very concerned about what he eats. He's been bullied in school for his weight and now he wants to get into better shape. Can you ask your guests what uh, we can do to help him eat better? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a tragedy and Daniel will have seen this as well. Those young fellas, you know, going to gyms where they're doing their exercises and then they start to see people, you know, with all this muscle and they're buying big tubs of proteins and supplements. Mary, unfortunately, 
will have to take him for some help because they don't listen to their mammies. Well, if they're like my kids, they don't listen to their mammies. So you have to find somebody who's going to work with them and give him a tailored personal plan. But also the whole aspect of being bullied. He may be using food as a comfort and he may be grazing all day long. And that food frequency of itself is going to make the poor guy gain weight. So third party intervention Absolutely. is necessary here. Yeah. Okay. And um, one for you, Daniel, Ashlyn and Kilmer asks, Hi Bobby, I'm really enjoying the conversation. I'm caring for my father and my mother passed away. Uh, his diet is poor to say the least. I try to make good clean food but he barely touches it. I know that he goes into the local chipper at lunchtime and he's always eating chocolate or sweets. It's like he doesn't care about his health. Can you ask your uh, nutritionist what I can do to get him to eat healthier? Now, there you go. There's a classic one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Some fellow who's lost his way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, there's a, there's a number of elements of that. There's a lot of cemented behaviours that have come in over time. And like whether it be children or whether it be people who are... It doesn't really matter what age. It's the involvement in the process that's really important here. Like, what what are the foods that he will eat? And is it an open conversation? Because very often, if you're just presenting things that are clean, that there's no way that yeah. that they're going to eat. You need to work to the audience. You need to work. Yeah. Well, what can we do here? Yeah. Uh, and there's no question, like, while there's major issues with oversupply of food in our environment, there's certainly great alternatives out there. And it's about bringing that education element in, making that, making them aware of other options that taste good, that provide that bit more uh, nu- nutrition value. Yeah. So it's a, it, that's a pro- you're not going to solve that one overnight. Okay. A fellow who's sort of set in his ways. One for you, Mary. Uh, Patrick in Mullingar asks, Hi, Bobby. I'm currently working on a construction site six days a week. It's really busy. And as a single 30-year-old, I have to fend for myself. So I usually find myself popping into a petrol station at lunch and dinner time. Apart from being expensive, I know it's having a detrimental effect on my health. Will you ask your guests what clean meals I can make with a limited time, budget and cooking skills? That's a good text. Yes, I I, I see a lot. I get a lot of these people coming to me or in companies again. Um, so what I always say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So again, working out, if I'm out doing a walk on the road, I see where is the, the, the best, um, you know, um, cafe or health shop that I can pick up some um, healthy food. So again, you have to be, he could easily bring, you know, his soup in a flask. Yeah, so basically if he brings his food in a flask and he plans or he knows a good nutritional place and he plans to go there, it's about not leaving it to chance and ending up in the petrol forecourt with the chicken fillet roll. Exactly, and very little antioxidants or nutrients to keep him healthy. Yeah, exactly. Last quick word to you, Mary, or to, to you, Gay. Um, the future of the nutrition business, where do you see it going? You said you talked about the evolution of the business since you've been involved, since 2006. What do you see coming down the tracks? Personalised nutrition, without okay. a shadow of a doubt. It's like personalised medicine. As I said, we have the diagnostic tools. We now know if you eat that food, it's going to affect you. If you eat that food, it's you know, it's it's going to have a, um, a negative effect. So personalised nutrition is definitely the way forward. But I do think we have to change our mindset and get away from using food as fuel. That okay. is the wrong model. So we have to look at, 
you know, what is the value of food? How is it affecting my metabolism? And I do think that's all going to change, Bobby. There are no pills for most of our ills. So it's that, you know, the model has to change how we view food in our lives. Okay. That's above our pay grade. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it there. I also want to just thank Daniel as well. Eat Up, The Next Level. It's a great book. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading that later, Daniel. Thank you for that. Thanks to my guests, uh, Gay Godkin, Daniel Davey and Mary Carmody. All great conversation there about the world of nutrition and nutritionists. Thanks for joining me today. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.